Our scripture tonight comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, Quirinius the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was, his, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born. To you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Thank you all for being here this evening. Um, I, I probably am going to take you down a little bit of a path that some of you have uh, not heard before. Um, bear with me as I do. Um, but regardless of where we land, what we know for certain is where the Son of God was laid after his birth. He was laid in a manger. And that's mind-boggling, isn't it? No matter how we read the text, consider that the second person of the Godhead used a manger as his crib. For the longest time, I think it's probably the way I was brought up, what I watched, what I saw, what I even heard, I had this picture in my head of Joseph coming into Bethlehem the very night that Mary needed to give birth and unable to find a hotel room, he takes her to a stable or to a barn where Christ is born. But I've since come to understand the text differently. Luke chapter 2 verses 5 and 6 read, Joseph went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there. And I suppose you could say that while they were there is like they just got there. But I don't see it that way. The time came for the baby to be born. So Joseph was not rushing around trying to find a spot for his betrothed to deliver Jesus. 
The census had called for him to return to the place of his lineage. While he did not come from a household of wealth by any means, he still very likely had relatives in Bethlehem. The NIV translates Luke 2, verse 7, um, best of any translation that we have, saying that no guest room was available for them. That is different than saying there was no room in the inn. The Greek term, and I, I had to even write it out in ways that I could try to pronounce this properly, but the Greek term katalamea in Luke 2, 7, represents the guest room of a Palestinian home. The Greek term pandoheon, on the other hand, is the word that Luke later uses for a hotel room in the telling of the Good Samaritan. Kenneth Bailey points out that a typical Palestinian home would have had a larger family room adjacent to a stable where the animals would have actually had their heads in the room to eat from a manger or a trough. That you can find if you go back into the Old Testament and read through Judges where that would have been the case as well. At the back of the home was the guest room, which was the highest level of the house. It is what you would call the upper room. So in Luke 2, at Luke 22, 11 and 12, when Jesus tells his disciples to go prepare a place for the Last Supper, he uses the word katalema. In other words, it is an upper room. At Christ's birth in Bethlehem, known as the house of bread, there was no room for him in the upper room. So Jesus was relegated to the section of the home where animals would feed. Later in Jerusalem, just before his crucifixion, Jesus would recline in the upper room, now as the bread of life. So I personally believe the best depiction of the nativity is that of Joseph with Mary birthing Jesus in the part of a relative's home that was used to stable their animals. That is not an ironclad position, mind you. Why, for instance, would possible relatives not give up a different space in the house for a woman with child? So other biblical scholars suggest that Joseph and Mary were originally lodged in a cave somewhere in the outskirts of Bethlehem where the Church of Nativity was commissioned in 325 AD. That is indeed a possibility. But what is, I think, perhaps most awe-striking about all of this is that no one knows with 100% certainty whether Jesus was born in a stable, a cave, or the larger family room of a Palestinian home. And does it not seem to you as if we would at least know the exact spot where the one who had spoken all of creation into being was born? And yet we don't. And to be even more precise, we don't actually even know the day of his birth. We celebrate Christmas tomorrow, but we don't know the exact day that the Son of God was born. That is, oh, 
awe-inspiring to me. But what we can say with certainty is this. One, God took on flesh. He was born as a baby, relying upon his mother's milk and eating his diapers changed and being laid to sleep in a, a manger turned into a crib. And two, at this point in Israel's history, shepherds were counted among the lower class of citizens among a Jewish caste system. But the angel of the Lord first announced the birth of the Christ child to these shepherds. Church, we have a story to share this Christmas. The God of the universe entered into our existence and he came for everyone. No matter a person's station in life from the lowly shepherds who were first called to the wealthy magi who come at some point later, Christ came for all. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ the newborn king. We continue our scripture reading. Luke 2, verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to the men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see these things that have happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things he had, they had heard and seen, which were just as, as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it came time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So the timeline um, for Jesus' birth, my interpretation goes along these um, kind of tracking, if you will. Joseph and Mary travel to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem, where he had relatives with whom they could stay. Since the guest room of the house was already occupied, they sat on the front of the abode where animals fed. A few days pass, and Mary gives birth to Jesus, placing him in a manger. Jesus, it seems, was born sometime during that day, and then at night, the angel appears to the shepherds to go and see him. Luke 2.11 reads, today in, the town of Beth today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. The shepherds then hurry off to behold this. Eight days later, 
In Luke 2, verse 21, Joseph and Mary circumcise their son in accordance with Hebrew law, where they also ascribe to him the name Jesus. About a month after that, we find in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 38, which we did not read, where Jesus is consecrated in the temple, where Mary goes through a purification process, and where Simeon and Anna prophesy of Christ's purpose in the world. Following those events, the young family returns to Bethlehem, and I speculate that around Jesus' first, first birthday, they receive a visit from an unknown number of magi from the east. We have typically said that there were three of them because, well, there were three gifts, but Scripture never tells us how many came. This much is certain, although we do not know precisely how many wise men there were or exactly at what point they arrived, only that Matthew 2 and verse 1 says that it was after Jesus was born, we do know that they came to worship Jesus, and we do know Jesus was in a home with his parents. Matthew 2 verse 11 says, and, and you know, again, we, we need to read scripture carefully. Because it says in Matthew 2, verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. At the conclusion of the wise men's visit, they are told in a vision not to return to Herod, while Joseph is also warned in a dream to flee with his family to Egypt. Herod then, just to be on the safe side, sent troops into Bethlehem to kill all the boys in its surrounding area under the age of two. Here is the clearest of truths from all of this. No matter how you interpret the timeline of our Savior's birth, no matter how you interpret where he was born, we have a story to tell about Christmas. It is why Luke chapter 2 verse 17 says, When the shepherds saw Jesus, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And at verse 20, we see that they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. A former pastor with whom I once served had a friend who every year for many years would go into local bars on Christmas Eve and ask the bartender permission to read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. Why did he do that? He did it because like the shepherds, he had a story to share. Down in a lowly manger, we know that to be so. Our humble Christ was born. We know that to be so. And brought, up, brought us all salvation that blessed Christmas morn. I hope we all know that to be so. And if we do, church, go tell it on the mountain. So I invite you now to stand again if you're able to sing with us, go tell it on the mountain.